Welcome into the Pursuit of Manliness podcast, where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast. Men, as always, I want to thank you for taking time, checking out today's show, whether you are listening to this or watching this. That's right. This episode today, Out in the Garage, is on YouTube. I know we've taken a bit of a hiatus from that for a while, but this one is. So wherever you're watching this at or listening to this at, thank you. When you get the opportunity, I want to encourage you, make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. You can find this podcast episode, all of the previous episodes. You can sign up for the email newsletter. You can see what's available in the gear store. You can learn more about our fall men's retreat and more. So visit that when you get a chance. I also want to remind you, that the Friday podcast, the Out in the Garage podcast, is sponsored by Dark Water Woodwork. That's darkwaterkc.com. Right now, Dark Water Woodwork is offering a Out in the Garage beard bundle. You may have noticed when you looked at the uh, the beard bundle in the store, you see the, the image there, the Out in the Garage. That's uh, the Out in the Garage logo with uh, Dark Water's Doc Nail, I believe that's his name, uh, his face right in the middle there, so there was some familiarity, and uh, that bundle is $25, Teakwood Coffee Beard Balm, and Beard Oil Made with Genuine Armored Nation Coffee, darkwaterkc.com. Let's get into this, we are in Exodus chapter 10, I should say, I should say the code, the discount code this week is Exodus 10, Exodus in all capital letters, the number 10, that will save you 15% off your order. Now we are in Exodus chapter 10. I had a bit of a snafu. Sometimes I record these episodes in the morning when uh, the kids all go off to school and it's a little quieter in the house, or sometimes I go home at lunch and record them. This is a go home at lunch and record them type of podcast, and I left my Bible and my notes at at the church where I, where I serve, I walked in the house, got my computer out, and realized we have made a grave mistake. Now I do have a Bible in front of me, so we got that covered. However, you know how it is: you have your Bible, and then you have Bibles. This was one that I had used for a while. Uh, when the eyes started to fade, I needed something with a little bit bigger print. So uh, I think we can figure it out. The notes, thankfully, I had typed them out before I printed them. So here they are: Exodus ten one through two. The Lord said to Moses, "Go into Pharaoh." For I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants. Uh-oh, the servants, their hearts hardened too. That I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, so you may know that I am the Lord. What was God's intention for this particular plague? so that you may tell in the hearing of your sons and grandson, right? This was something that was going to be told to the next generation. We've talked about this before. I believe we have lost the art of passing on generational wisdom. We've exchanged that for either, I feel like one of two things. One, we're either going to work on ourselves for the rest of our life, or two, we're just going to be grumpy about the next generation that's coming after us. The Bible's clear. Many, many times we have a responsibility to invest in the next generation. Doggone, at the minimum, <clears throat> at the minimum, if you have children, 
You need to know who is teaching your kids. You send them off to school every day. I don't care, public, private, wherever. You need to know who is indoctrinating your children. It's imperative. They get these kids, you know, in whatever scenario you've marched them off in, whether it's in your home or somewhere else, it is your responsibility. And if you have grandkids, you know, I'm not raising them. You know, well, you, 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 one, pray for them, but two, Again, I, I th- it is our. You need to know who's who's in, who's teaching your children. You need to know their social media. You need to know what they're about. We need to make sure we're telling the next generation when it comes to the wonders of God. This is how good He is. This is what He's done. The problem is, I think there's a lot of people who don't have anything to tell. You heard a message. You went to camp. You went to VBS or something. You raised your hand. You said, "Check, I'm in," and that's it. The spending 24 hours a day in God's classroom, that's been lost on you. The fact that God woke you up today to teach you something about himself, that's lost on a lot of people. And so we have, again, we have desired a search to find ourselves or a search for our hobbies or whatever. We have a, a, a privilege to tell of the wonders of God to the next generation. If you say, I don't know what to tell, then maybe your walk with the Lord needs to be refined and refocused. Psalms chapter 78, verse 4 through 6, we will not hide them from our children. Hide them from our children. You realize the fact that you refuse to speak up or say anything to your kids spiritually or lead them or pray with them, that is hiding the wonders of God from your children. We won't hide them from our children. How do we hide them? By not telling them. But tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord. Again, this is Psalm 78, 4-6. And his might and the wonders that he has done. What has he done? Well, hopefully he saved you. He's redeemed you. He's forgiven you of your sins. That's a starting point. That's the baseline. I follow Jesus. Guys, I don't do that. I don't watch that. I don't talk that way. Why? Because I follow Jesus. I don't live like that. I, won't, I don't go to those places. I don't run around with those people. Why? I follow Jesus. That's the baseline. Says he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel when he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. The Bible is a story of redemption, God redeeming his people. We are active participants in this. God is telling Moses, you are actively going to participate in this by telling your kids, your grandkids. It says, uh, we teach to our children that the next generation might know them and the children yet unborn. Imagine that. You're telling your kids something right now. You're implanting and, and, and investing and discipling your children right now in such a way <clears throat> that someday they're going to tell their kids. You know, your grandpa used to always tell me this. You know, your grandma always did this. One thing I remember about growing up is this. I'm looking at a picture across from where I sit right now. My three kids, this is from, I don't know, four years ago. And I look at them and think, the conversations we're having. Well, let's say this, the conversations we're not having, if we're going to hide them from them, could actually hurt kids that we've never met. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't want that. God, God is, is not in the business of doing mighty works and wonders around us so we can just feel better about ourselves. God is in the business of doing mighty works and wonders so that we can impart that to other people. Conduits of the gospel. 
we have too many mute men. We have too many guys who can talk about everything else. <laughs> I don't know. That's not my. Uh. It's buffoonery. It's embarrassing. And we wonder why we're losing generations of children. Christian men need to say, hey, I'm not budging on that. I'm taking a stand on that. I will fight for their heart. I will unapologetically be who I am for Jesus. I will do it. Man, they don't like you. They think you're outdated. They think uh, I'm okay with that. People might think, but they may not think. We were talking on Zoom call recently. I have a feeling that there are more people who are open to hear the gospel than we give them credit for. <laughs> if God is in the business of pursuing people, I got to believe there's more people we come in contact with. That person that rode your tail all the way home today that drove you crazy, the person that didn't go fast enough, didn't use their blinker, cut you off in traffic, you know, had 48 items in the 10 items or less. I just got to believe God is, is in the business of still redeeming his people. And there's more people opening the open to hear the good news of Jesus, open to hear the wonders of God than we're giving those people credit for. I, I just, I just got to believe it. God wakes us up today to continue the conversation and confirmation that he is God. And we are to pass on that information. I didn't manufacture it. I didn't come up with it. I didn't write the book. I just mark it up and try to communicate it. That's it. For Israel, they were going to see firsthand, firsthand, the destruction and the ruins that Egypt had become. I imagine the sounds of people wailing and silence and crying, and, and we haven't even got to the, the last plague yet, but just, you know, their crops are destroyed, their animals are destroyed, their homes are destroyed. I mean, just all the stuff. We haven't got to locusts yet. They had seen firsthand God's and experienced God's protection over them in the midst of their oppression. That was the story. God saved us. That was exactly what was supposed to be passed on. However, they exchanged that for quickly ignoring this. It ain't long into Exodus, you know, get into Exodus when they're when they're they're wandering, starting to wander, and they say, take off your jewelry, we're going to make a calf. That's what brought us out of Egypt. They took it for granted, and they, be, they became complainers. And God said, okay, then I'll wait for all you to die before the next generation is going to receive uh, the, the real blessings of God. Would you want to be the person that they're waiting to die so that the next generation could get the blessings of God? Could you imagine that? You're the person at your church. You're the person in your home. You're the person in your neighborhood. God's like, I'm just waiting for you to die. And then I'm going to reveal my glory. I don't, I don't want to be the person that gets in the way of God's glory. So how, how do we make sure we're not? We tell of the wonders of God. We tell how good he is. You don't got to be a linguist. You don't got to be a, a deep theologian. You don't have to have degrees on the wall. You don't have to do anything but tell. Praise God. <laughs> he makes it real, real simple. Verse 3, so Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. And then verse 7, see if I can find that. Then Pharaoh's servant said to him, this is after Moses and Aaron got done, How long shall this man be a snare to us? Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you understand that Egypt is ruined? How long? 
How long? The the verb here, mayanta, is is means uh, is waiting because of refusal. Not how much longer till the pizza's ready, but how long are you going to keep allowing this to go on? Consider that for your your own life. There's some stuff going on that you say, how long am I going to keep doing that? I was thinking about this in my own life recently. You, know, you just think, man, I just keep doing this or repeating that or acting that way or responding that way or feeling like that. How long are we going to tolerate that? This idea of how long because of a refusal is a consistent theme throughout the Bible. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate? How long are you going to just kind of drift between these two opinions? And what did the people do? They didn't say a word in response. That's what we talked about earlier, telling the next generation. But we got we have a lot of mute people. They can't talk about that. They can talk about hunting, cars, weather, rain gauges. They can talk about their glory days of high school. Talk about the Lord. No, can't do that. Yep. Hosea 8.5. He has rejected your calf. O Samaria, saying, my anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of innocence? How long are they going to keep living like this? The people say, just a little bit longer. Just a little bit longer. Jeremiah 4.14, Wash your heart from evil, O Jerusalem, that you may be saved. How long will your wicked thoughts lodge within you? They said, we're good. Just a little bit longer. This is an important question that God asks all of us. How long? What does it take? to humble us to the place that we know that God is God. He's the Lord of all and he is over all. And that includes the thing or things that he is looking at you and saying, how long? Now we know God has all the time in the world, but we don't. I mean, we are literally on borrowed time. There, we, we can't repay this time. We're never going to get back. There's no guarantee we'll get more of it. There will come a time, <clears throat> like we're reading in this text, where God says, that's it, no more. Time's up. At that, po- at that point, time is up. There's no do-overs. There's no second chances. The question, how long in our own life, should cause us to consider our actions and ask, what happens if I continue to live, act, or respond this way? If you have, If you have your thing your sin, your habitual way of living, and you say, if I do this for 10 more years, what happens? Typically, things don't stay the same. They, they get better or worse. You say, well, it's, it's going the wrong way. It's going to get worse, right? How long am I going to keep this up? Why not just stop today and say, you know what? I'm sick of living like that. I'm sick of that being my thing. I, I don't want to be on my deathbed and, and have to have people go through my house to clean out my house so people don't know that I got much junk in there. Or, oh, man, when I die, they're going to find out this, that, or the other. Or, you know, I, I don't want to go through my phone or I don't want to go through my, you know. How long? How long are you going to live like that? Verse 10. Let's see if I can find it here. 
Moses is telling him, hey, we're taking, we're taking everybody. We're out of here. Uh, Pharaoh said, no. He said to them, the Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Little ones, we usually think of children, but it's probably women and children here. He says, look, you have some evil purpose in mind. It's interesting to me. This is one of the oldest tricks in the book. Pharaoh's response was, you have evil purpose in mind. You have evil intent. Who's evil in the story? Who's really evil in the story? The guy that's oppress oppressing people, keeping them as slaves, refusing to let them go, refusing to let them worship their God. Or the guy that says, man, let them go, worship God. God told me to do this. Who's evil? This is an old trick, man. Evil calling good evil. You are the one in the wrong because you're trying to make me do something that I refuse to do. Therefore, you are the evil one. What does evil try to get you to do then? Recant on your stance and request and say, you know what? I'm going to, and you begin to backpedal and you begin to kind of play. No, 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 no. You understand. No, I just want to, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I just, this is where we're at right now. Let's downplay our stance on anything biblical anything the Bible teaches, so that we are not called names and our motives are not in question. <laughs> They'll call you a name for everything, even if they are the ones doing it. There's all, the, there's all these horrific names. I'm not going to get into it because I, I just don't want to answer emails and stuff. But evil today does not necessarily call your actions evil, right? But they'll label you and call you names, which for some people are like, oh, I don't want to be called a name. I'm going to tell you right now, I, I've said this for a while and whatever, take it for what it's worth. I'm waiting for the day when the wrong person, the wrong lady gets called Karen, right? Because Karen is a derogatory term towards some lady who's complaining about something. It's going to happen. The wrong lady is going to get called Karen. And you know what? No one will be able to be called Karen no more. That'll be it. I don't know if it's a real Karen, fake Karen. I don't know. But I'm telling you what right now, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. There's going to come a day where somebody's going to label someone a name. A news article is going to say, you know, roller coaster Karen goes off on whatever. They all have on video. Everyone's videoing everybody today, whatever. The wrong person. It's going to happen to you. I'm telling you. So what's, what are we getting into in here in Exodus 10? Locust, a terrible disaster. If there's anything left after all the hail has destroyed almost everything, the locusts are going to take the rest, right? They're going to take the rest. Verse 14, the locusts came up over the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt. Such a dense swarm of locusts has never been before nor ever will be again. Praise the Lord, locust. Egypt was not unfamiliar with locust, but this batch is this batch is different. This batch that swarms and in, in lands on Egypt, they say, that's different. We've never experienced that. We've never seen anything like that. Do you remember, and that depends on where you live, I'm sure, but in 2021, we had this, uh, they call it cicadas. I mean, it was unbelievable. As if 2020 wasn't fun enough. Then we got the cicadas in 2021. I think it was summertime. <laughs> they were so loud. You couldn't think straight. And I think they were drawn to certain types of trees or certain types of environments. And we got one right outside our church that they loved it. We had some like roofers and people there doing stuff. And they had to come inside to talk because they, 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 really, they couldn't handle it. Now, they didn't destroy stuff like locusts did or will. 
uh, they just died and fell to the ground and got tracked on everybody's shoes. And they were everywhere. They were ever so gross. They were everywhere. Locusts are going to ruin. They're going to ruin crops. They're going to eat. They're going to eat, and they are going to do some damage. And uh, if you got anything left, Pharaoh, it's gone. Here's the good news. You're not going to be able to know because darkness is fixing on coming. There's going to be darkness. So whatever you have, whatever's going on in your house, it's lights out. Let's go to verse uh, 21. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt. Now, don't miss this. A darkness to be felt. Again, darkness is not something that anybody would be unfamiliar with, right? Naturally, that's going to happen. But a darkness to be felt? I'm going to get into this later in, in maybe a little more detail or different context but this is especially significant because the chief god at the capital city here of i believe say thebes was amon ray a sun god so if you if you have a god of sun and the darkness is so heavy that it's felt you got to think where's the sun god it's again the whole prophets of baal thing where are they at they're going for a walk using a restroom taking a nap what's going on here this plague comes without any warning. Darkness falls on the land, except for Israel. Once again, the Almighty attacking the core of the religious belief and just laying a bear. Again, people start calling you names. They start saying you're evil and you're this, that, and the other. You know why? It's because what they really believe and what they hold fast is true and all that. There's a conviction there. And they know that you, you look at it different. If, if Egypt would not let Israel go to worship their God, uh, their God would be consumed in utter darkness. God said, um, let, let me hit you personal here. Let me attack your, your, your chief God here. Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 45, 17, obviously God speaking through him, I form light <clears throat> and I create darkness. I make well-being and I create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. We live in a time where people think they, they can dictate weather and tell you what's going to happen. I read something today like it would be, I mean, it was just an unbelievable turn of events of darkness and freeze and all this stuff. And, you know, and and so everyone gets afraid and says, okay, we, we got to do something about this. And God said, I'm in, I'm in charge here. I created the cosmos. Verse uh, 24, Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go, serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and herds remain behind. There's the word only shows up a lot, doesn't it, in this little exchange between Moses and Pharaoh? You know, I know Pharaoh said it a couple times, you know, only forgive me of this sin, only leave your cattle, only, you know. Why did he say that? Because he wanted them to return. They're not going to leave all their cattle, lifestyle, everything that's valuable to them that, you know, they're not going to leave that behind. I want to make sure you guys come back. Yeah, we will. We cannot negotiate with God. It will always be on His terms. This can be a really tough reality for some people who have grown up with a distorted view of God or who refuse to live a life of restraint. You do not get to negotiate with God. Deal with it. If you grew up and everything was, you're the best, and here's a trophy, and here's a snow cone, and here's a, everyone gets a gift at your friend's birthday party because we don't want you to leave without anything, uh, you got invited, you got cake and ice cream. That's, that's your gift. 
if you grew up like that and you think, well, then how, how dare there be a God who would possibly say that, you know, I did something wrong. Like, it is my life. I live it how I want. That's what people think. Okay, well, how did you get here? Your mom and dad. Or a male and female. It wasn't mom and dad. How'd you get here? Who allowed you to exist? You say, nobody, just accident. Here I am, right? Like that. It, well, it certainly wasn't you. So if there is a creator of the cosmos, if there is the almighty God of the universe, and you say you don't believe in him, what happens after you die? Do you become one with the dirt? Do you go on your supernatural journey to the, the stars and you become one with nature? Do you come back as a giraffe? Like how, how does this work? See, I believe after you die, if you put your faith and trust in Christ, you say, I'm going to live for him. I'm going to be a narrow road following Christian. I believe you live forever with God. How do you know that, Jerry? Um, I got a book here with 66 books in it that, that say that's true. I don't know what you have. I don't know if you have a professor. I don't know what you, I don't know where you, you just feel that, right? I, I'd, I'd reconcile that. Because if not, we're going to treat our life like it's our seven-year-old birthday party. You know, you ever seen kids at their own birthday parties? It's my cake, it's my presents, my friends, my theme, my life, my, my, my. I go first. I get everything. I get everything. It's all about me. Take pictures of me. And I remember being at a kid's birthday party once, and a bunch of kids were singing happy birthday and, you know, whatever. And when it was over, one of the kids pointed at another. The, the person who was birthday pointed at a kid and said, you didn't sing. That's how you live your life. Like, you didn't sing. It's my party. You should sing to me. Uh... That's not how this works. There may be one that you should consider who actually wants more for you than you want for yourself. I know that may be hard to believe. It just may not look like the way you think it looks like. So to wrap this up, I want to go back to our original tension. Consider what the Almighty has done in your life and tell someone about it. Tell your kids, tell your grandkids. You don't got to be, you know... Uh, again, a great author. You don't got to pen them a, a long letter about this. Just make it part of your conversation. Tell your kids. And in a sense, you might be telling your future grandkids. You say, well, I don't have kids. I'm not married, Jared. I don't have any of that stuff. Great. You might be telling someone else's future grandkids. You might be doing something, sharing something that might may just be the right seed that needs to be planted in someone's heart that they will then in turn do the same thing and tell other people about the goodness of God. We get to be a part of that. It's amazing that God even allows us to do that. So, man, I want you to consider that. Exodus chapter 10, there's a lot there. I only read a few portions of it. There are two verses at the end of here, a little exchange between Pharaoh and Moses. I want to get to in a minute, but you've been in the herd. We'll, do, we'll, we'll continue that conversation over there. So, man, I want to thank you for listening, and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness. Mm-hmm.